Thank you, Brother Steve, and praise God, thank God for you. And for a first time, my friend, that wasn't bad at all. No. You did a fine job, and we praise the Lord and thank God for you. Um, and this morning, I want us to uh, kind of continue on that theme uh, with the Word of God been on my heart lately. As a matter of fact, this morning in our um, uh, youth Sunday school class, we talked about what, what, is, what is the Bible? You realize if you were to ask people that question, I mean Christian people, you'd probably be surprised, or, or maybe you wouldn't, but you would, you would get a lot of different answers to that question. Um, but we believe that the, that the Bible is the Word of God. We don't believe it simply contains some of the Word of God, we believe that it is the Word of God, that it is the inerrant, infallible Word of God. And as Christian people, we understand, or we should understand, that if we are to be successful in our walk with God, it is going to require us to be very familiar with the Word of God. Uh, so this morning, I want us to take our Bibles Find the book of Romans chapter 8. And there's really just one scripture that's kind of going to be our, our jumping off part this morning. But I, I like to read paragraphs because we kind of get the context that way. And so we'll begin in verse 1 of Romans 8 and we'll read down through verse 11. So let's honor the word of God this morning as we stand. And if you would follow along with me in your copy of the Word of God, beginning in verse 1, there is therefore, excuse me, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Let's pray this morning. God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the preciousness of that. And thank You, Lord, for the Spirit of God in us that is alive and active and powerful. And God, it is through the Spirit of God this morning that, that salvation is worked out, lived out. And Father, help us to obey, to attend to the teaching of your word this morning. And God, may you draw us into a closer walk that where we are, 
with, with respect to our identity and position in Christ, that that would show up in our walk with you in our daily life. Have your way in every heart today. We pray and ask these things in faith, in Jesus' name. And you may be seated. All right, I'm on. There we go. Sorry, guys, I had my lapel off. Jacob's giving me that look back there, but that's okay. I've had that look plenty of times, so nothing's new under the sun, right? Including your pastor and his habits. But anyway, um, this morning, as we look in Romans uh, chapter eight, Paul. If if you would read through six and seven of Romans, you, you boy, Paul leaves us with the with the reality. When we try to do what God's called us to do in the power of the flesh, we often are doing that which we really don't want to do. Paul asks the question, you know, why is that? And then he, he moves into chapter 8 with this very dis- definitive statement that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. All right? Do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We have to understand that for life as a Christian, things have changed. We're no longer, not only are we the people that we used to be, but we are now not to be dependent upon our old ways of getting things done, getting our needs met. We're not to be dependent on the fleshly ways of our past life, but now things are new. We're new creations in Christ, and therefore we have to begin to think differently so that we will live differently. We have to understand that from the time we are saved, there is this complete identity change in the sense that we come out of the camp of the dead, we're placed in the camp of the living, we're out of Adam, we're in Christ, we're no longer dead, we're alive in the Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore the Spirit of God now desires to live and manifest His way in our life. And that and that is the only way we walk and live faithfully in this Christian life. We cannot do that on our own. It's Christ's life and therefore we cannot live that on our own. He understood that. And He gave us the Holy Spirit so that we would be successful. Now, I asked the question this morning, or titled the sermon, you know, why we don't understand things? Why is it sometimes that that we simply don't understand what God is doing at the time, or we don't necessarily have the faith that we need to, to trust God in these situations? You understand that a lot of people... In our culture today, in America, we have access to Bibles. Uh, there, there are people that own a Bible that are not saved. They read the Bible. Sometimes they, they read it as a way for them to, to tell others why they should not believe or be Christians, why they should be agnostic. We need to understand something about the Word of God. And this, this is fundamental to why there is a Gideon ministry. There's this idea, this term that is used called the, the perspicuity of Scripture. And it's a, it's a big word, a fancy word maybe, but it simply means that we believe people can understand the Word of God. In other words, we do not believe that God gave us a, a letter to us, a love letter to us that we couldn't understand. We don't, we don't believe that. That wouldn't make any sense, would it? That we, we believe that, that people can understand the Word of God. We believe that even a child can understand the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have an entire ministry on Sunday evenings that is dedicated to that purpose. We believe children can learn Scripture, believe that Scripture, memorize that Scripture, and respond in faith 
to the call of God on their life with respect to the gospel. There's been a many of them. Uh, we, we, were, we were talking about that very thing this morning in Sunday school about the importance of you know, knowing when you came to Christ. And, 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 and many people, many young people in this church, you've been baptized six, seven, eight years old. And it was legitimate because there was this process that, that we believed and we saw it come to fruition in your life of knowing the Scripture, memorizing that Scripture, attending to that Scripture, and seeing that bring about the fruit of repentance in your life. That's what happened. And so we believe that God gave us His Word so that you could understand it. Now there is obviously a supernatural role for the Lord to play in that too. Because sometimes when we think about why we don't understand, we need to understand that unbelievers, they are handicapped to understanding the Word of God because they lack something that is essential to fully knowing the Word and the will of God. They lack the Spirit of God. See, God's Word, there are some things that are very plain that you can read and on the very surface level, there's no ambiguity or anything. It, it, uh, easy to understand. But there are some things that if we're going to truly understand them, we need to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that the work of God in salvation, apart from God, there will be no salvation. Salvation is a supernatural work of God. It's not merely an intellectual pursuit. There is some of that involved, certainly. But that salvation is not just an intellectual uh, change of mind. There is something that is much deeper than that. And that is because we understand the purpose of God in revealing this uh, to people. Now verse 7 of Romans chapter 8 makes this clear. Actually, if we go back to verse 6, it says for to be minded. In other words, to be worldly minded. Uh, to, to believe like the world believes. Uh, to, to, to gain guidance from everybody else. Go with the flow, as we like to say sometimes. This is the direction. This is what's trending. And so we're going to go in that direction. The scripture says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means that it's an enemy of God. That means it's hostile to the things of God. The carnal mind is hostile to the things of God. That's why Scripture makes it very clear that without the, the revelation of God, we won't know the things of God. So many people don't understand because they're simply unbelievers. But our minds as Christian people, if we're to fully understand the Word of God, it has to be renewed. It has to be renewed. Now I want you to think about something. Uh, you know, if you're an adult, most of us, we're going to go to work uh, tomorrow and we're going to spend, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 hours at a job and we're going to be around group, a group of people and uh, it may be uh, one person, it may be multiple people, but you're going to have during that course of time a number of, of things that flow in and out of your mind, right? Because you work with people and uh, people sometimes get on your nerves, right? Sometimes people say things that, that you don't like and... Sometimes they don't carry their weight. Uh, they're supposed to be on the team, but, but, the, but they're missing. You know, uh, they, They're out here, nobody knows what they're doing. Or, 
or, and, and you're taking up the slack, or you're just saying, I'm going to do it to get it done, because if I don't do it, it won't get done. And, and there's this frustration back and forth, and, and uh, you know, you, you get off of work, you got to deal with, uh, you know, uh, the, the kids, what's going on in that situation. Uh, you know, you're going to go buy a Dairy Queen for ice cream, and man, they're, they're lined up around the block. Everybody's trying to pave every road in Georgia at the same time, and it just gets frustrating. Does anybody else know that? We all are paving every road in Georgia at the same time. Everywhere you go. I've never seen so many orange and white striped cones in my life. They're everywhere. Man. The struggle can be real. And these things come into your mind and they influence your mind and your heart. And my friend, let me tell you, We will not be successful if we can't find a time as Christian people to renew our minds in the Lord Jesus Christ. It may have to be early for you. It may have to be later for you. It may have to be three or four times a day. I don't know, but the Word of God says that as new Christians, we have to renew our minds. Romans 12, 1 and 2 makes that perfectly clear. That if we don't renew our minds, if we're not transformed by the power of the Word of God and prayer and spending time with God, what will we be conformed to? We'll ultimately be conformed to the world. Colossians 3 tells us that we're to set our minds on the things above. If we do not choose to set our minds on the things above, they will default to set on everything that's going on around us because we're living in this world, this side of heaven. We want to understand the Word of God. We have to renew our minds. We have to open up the Bible and we have to understand we have to spend time. I, I, I tell people often, and, and, and there may be a better way to explain this, but, uh, you know, my wife can take something that's cheap, inexpensive, throw a tablecloth over it and it looks great. Put a little thing or two on top and it's ready for HGTV. I don't have that gift, okay? My stuff looks just like it, you know, baling wire, some wire ties, and it looks terrible, but it serves its purpose. But anyway, but you can, you can go to, you know, Rose's, uh, you know, uh, Walmart out here. You can buy the three-legged table, you know what I mean? Screw it on there. There's one, there's one leg that will never get tight. Go ahead and understand that right now. That's normal. There's one that it's just going to turn, but that's okay. It's all right. But you get that three-legged table and you sit it over there, you throw your tablecloth on it, and nobody realizes that's just a bunch of cheap particle board, cut-up broomsticks with some threaded ends that don't really work right. Okay, because it's, it's mass. It's like vinyl siding. It covers a multitude of sins, right? It's the blood of Jesus, right? You know what I'm saying? That three-legged table is, is an important illustration. I want you to understand this because in... In my life, I've looked at it this way. For the Christian to be successful. See, that that table will not, it'll barely stand on those three legs, but it will not stand on two, right? It has to have those three legs. And for Christians, if we are to stand, be successful in the culture and fulfill the will of God that He's called us to do, there are three things that, that I believe are essential to have success as, as, a, as a Christian man or a Christian woman. Okay? You, you obviously need 
the Word of God. You need the prayer, spending time with God, and you need the fellowship of your other brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I want to, in my life, if I have ever taken one of those things away from me for an extended period of time, I fall. I need those three things. Now, you could probably say, well, you also need this, 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 and this, and I would probably agree, but you're not going to be successful as a Christian if you don't know the Word of God and, and, and make an honest and to spend time in prayer with the Lord and the fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and God made that easy. He called it a church. He put one in, one in, in communities everywhere. As a matter of fact, there was a time in America that if, if you were Methodist, there was a church in every county in the United States of America. They were serious about it. Because God desires for His people to plug into a church. That may not be a popular thing today, but that is the truth because we need the fellowship of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need, we need the, the extended Bible study that comes in groups with one another, with peers, with, with people that will encourage us and tell us the truth. You need to be around people that will be honest with you. We need that. We need the Word. We need prayer. Spending time with God. You need those things. You'll never be who God has called you to be apart from those things, I believe. I haven't written a book about it. It may be anecdotal, but it, I can tell you in my own life, it, it won't work. Now, here's why this is so important, all right? Understanding, as, as a believer, I can know the Word of God. I have to want to renew my mind in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have to understand that I'm going to have to grow and mature. You're going to have to grow and mature. Parents, there is no way, there is no way the church can disciple your child on their own. God did not call the church to do that. God called parents to do that. And so you, you may have to deconstruct things that have been learned over the course of a day, but you're going to have to challenge your kids and you're going to have to be on board with their growth as a Christian, we have to grow and mature. Um, I don't remember the time, but I remember the day uh, specifically that I learned how to tie my shoes on my own. And I thought I had conquered the world. You know, the rabbit running around the tree thing, all that. I don't, you know. I, I, when I learned how to tie my shoes, I thought that was a big deal. It, it, was, it was over on 6th Street, and I was walking home with my older brother, we had left the house of a guy that he hung out with named Prentice Hill, and we were on our way back to the house, walking over there to Madison Avenue, 1210 Madison Avenue. Still there, the swing that we hung between the pine trees, still there to this day. And I remember, man, I, I can tie my own shoes. I just, what about when you started to ride your own bike? And, boy, no training wheels, right? No hands. I mean, I am getting it, man. I am conquering the world. I have, I've learned the meaning of life now. I can tie my shoes and ride my bicycle with no training wheels. I got it made. I mean, and once you learn how to do those things, you did them over and over and over again, and chances are 
You can still tie your shoes today. You might not can reach them that well. But if you reach it, you can probably tie it, which is why they come out with them skeechers. I mean them sketchers. Them slide-in deals. You, Howie Long's got them because he's so broke up from playing football all them years and starting that terrible movie he was a, tried to be an actor in one time that he can't even bend down and put his shoes on so they can slide in. That's what they do. You ever rode a bicycle? Haven't rode one in a while, but you're going to go to St. Simon's Island over there and you're going to rent you a bicycle, one of them big... You know, cruiser, so you can ride out on the beach and make a fool of yourself. But you know how to do it. Nothing, as silly as that may be, God's Word's the same way. If you want to know it, you're going to have to get into it, and you're going to have to be repetitive about it. Just as you learn your your timetables and your math facts uh, through repetition, so you do through the Word of God hiding the word in our heart. Amen? And 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 reminds us that we are to study. We're to diligently pursue the word of God. That we would know the word. That we know how to divide the word right. We have to make the decision to grow and mature. 1 Peter 2, 2-3 tells us that. That we're to grow. We're to, we're to want the milk, the milk of the word to grow, to mature, to move on to bigger, greater things things. We grow, we mature, we go deeper. Romans 11 verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. My friend, we can be students of the Word of God for a hundred years and every time if we open it up and we dive into it, there's still something new to be revealed to you and I. But like adults sometimes do, one reason we don't understand is sometimes we just make things too complicated. We make things too complicated. You know, we have that illustration in the Word of God where the children are coming to Jesus and those that have walked with Jesus said, don't bother Jesus. And Jesus says, no, I I want children to come to me. And we understand the principle of for us to really get it, to be saved and to know God as our Lord and Savior. There is a need on our part to become like a child, to have a simple childlike faith and trust. We so complicate that sometimes. The older we get, the more life we live, the more flesh we practice, the more sin we commit. It drives us to believing the lie. You're never good enough. God don't want you. You're past the point of no return. That, that, is, that is the lie that too often adults believe. Again, which, which is why we, we want the Word of God accessible everywhere. For that reason. Because God speaks through His Word. He grasps our souls and our need for Him through His Word. The problem sometimes is we just make things more complicated than they need to be. And sometimes our efforts to want to simplify things, we complicate things. 
one of the great tragedies that we have done in our culture today is that we have taken the Bible, and this is not new, but you know, we kind of think in our in our culture in the South, we we've called it the Bible Belt, you know. I mean, you know, we think everybody uh you know, I'm a Christian because I was born in the South and I'm a, I'm a dog fan or something. I mean, that, you know, people are so shallow sometimes and, and they think, you know, I come to church a couple times a year, so, you know, uh, I must be saved. You know, it's passing out of Sylvester the other day and uh, coming down 33 to Moultrie and there's a, a Baptist church that sits over there on the left and uh, he had a sign out there and he said, you know, uh, Jesus may return before Christmas. And I thought to myself, you're one of those two-timers. He might be here before you're back. But sometimes we just, we, we turn God's word into philosophy. We turn God's word into suggestions. We turn God's word into a book of best practices. It's not that. It's not that. And there have been people in the past who have tried that. And when you do that, you know what you have? You have a gospel that cannot save. You have people in those gospels who have eyes that they never saw. You have lame and crippled that will never walk. And you have dead people that will never be raised. God's word is not philosophy. It's not just good counsel, good teaching, good morality. It is the very word of Almighty God. And, and to think of it in any terms other than that is to belittle and to bring down, to defame the word. It is God's word. I read about one of our founding fathers, uh, the third president of America, Thomas Jefferson, wrote an amazing document that to this day is beautiful. The Declaration of Independence. Largely, he is the author of that document. Uh, Jefferson was a wise man by a lot of measures. But when Jefferson became president, he began to write two books and they were known as the philosophy, of, the philosophy of Jesus Christ and something I believe it was the moral teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. There were two manuscripts and basically what it was was his version of the Bible. He took the Gospels, he took the New Testament, he took out things that he didn't like and basically in his words it was just moral teaching. And he thought, you know, whether, regardless of what we believe, we could all center around on this moral teachings of Jesus. Because, see, the founders understood that a, a people, a government that was by people that had no morality would be chaos. That they needed that. And he understood at the time, without a doubt, the morality that left, that, that would lead to liberty, the inalienable rights that he wrote about in that decision, they all come from God. He recognized that. But as president, and later in his own life, he would walk away from the very principles that he knew were necessary for a people to rightly govern themselves. 
It is a slow fade, but it is a fade nonetheless. And whether it takes a week or it takes a decade or 50 years, when we begin to unmoor ourselves from the Word of God as it being what it is, the inerrant, infallible Word of God, we drift to places that are not good. And, and, and unfortunately, he was now, to his credit, he never published those works. But they did exist. That became his Bible. And I know you think, how, how could someone take the Bible and cut it up and make it something different? But let me ask you a question. Doesn't James tell us that we're to do more than just hear the Word of God? Aren't we supposed to do what we hear? Be doers of the Word and not hearers only? I mean, no, granted, you may not be taking your New Testament and cutting it up and repasting it back as something else. To do, but to know the Word of God and to fail to do it, my friend, that is still sin as well. God has given us His Word not to make merely suggestions, but to use the term that one of our youth did this morning when we asked this question, what is the Bible? It is a blueprint for life. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are certainly things that we may never fully understand. But if we do not spend time in His Word, if we do not pray, if we do not communicate with God, and we don't have the encouragement and the fellowship of, of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, let me tell you what I can assure you of. You won't understand. You won't understand. You will have questions, and you won't have the answers to those questions. We need each other. We need Him, first and foremost. We need the Word, the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts through the Spirit of God, the communication of Christ, with Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Those things are inseparable. We will not understand if we don't heed those practices. Let's join our hearts in prayer this morning. It is our desire that the Lord would call, that He would lead, that He would draw. And may we be obedient to what God is calling us to do this morning. Would you bow your heads and your hearts in prayer with me? Father, I thank You this morning that You are a God who sees, that Lord, You are a God who searches the heart and the mind of men. And I pray this morning, Lord, that as we are wrapping this service and drawing this to a conclusion, that, Father, you would work divinely in the hearts of every precious soul here today. For those that are listening online, God, touch their heart this morning. Draw them to the place that you desire that they would be. Thank you for your work this morning, God. Thank you for the gospel that we heard, that we responded in faith to, and how it has changed our life for for all of eternity. Now God, have your way in our hearts today, we pray in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.